Welcome to Detroit Today. I'm Jake Neer. And for Stephen Henderson today. That's Shana Roth, you just heard. And today, a little bit later, we are going to be speaking with Malcolm Gladwell. He's a best-selling author and journalist. He's also the host of the podcast Revisionist History. And we're going to talk to him about a lot. We're going to talk about his work. We're going to talk about the podcast. We're also going to talk to him about pot legalization, which is an interesting thing that he's working on right now. He's going to be writing about it. We'll get his take on what he thinks about legalizing recreational marijuana. And that is the bulk of what we want to talk about all hour today. The great pot legalization debate is over in Michigan, at least for now. Voters have spoken, and we will soon become the first state in the Midwest to allow recreational use of marijuana. And that's for adults ages 21 and over. You'll be able to possess up to 2.5 ounces in public. In your home, you can have up to 10 ounces and no more than 12 plants. You still can't light up or otherwise consume cannabis in public, and you can't get high and drive. This will all take effect 10 days after the election is certified. So at this very moment, it's all still illegal right now. And don't forget, it's still illegal on the federal level. That's what the law says. But how is this going to be implemented and enforced? How is it going to change communities here in Michigan. And that's what we want to talk about today. We also want to hear from you. Uh, What questions do you have about how this is going to be implemented? Do you plan to partake in legal recreational marijuana in Michigan? The number, as always, is 313-577-1019. Again, that's 313-577-1019. And first, we want to turn to someone who has an interesting perspective on how this is going to be implemented here in Michigan. DJ Hilson is the president of the Prosecuting Attorneys Association of Michigan. He's also the Muskegon County Prosecuting Attorney. DJ, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks for being here, DJ. So let's start off with this. What was your reaction initially to voters approving Proposal 1? Well, you know, in some respects, I I wasn't terribly surprised uh, that that's the direction that uh, we were going to go in, I guess, in the months and weeks leading up to the election, I had the, the thought and feeling that there was going to be, one, a pretty big voter turnout, and, and typically Michigan is a relatively progressive state. So, you know, not surprising, uh, maybe a little disappointed from, from my perspective, but uh, not surprising at uh, the results that uh, that occurred. So then what did your head sort of go to then, DJ, as a, as a prosecuting attorney, as someone who is the head of PAM here in Michigan? Do you how much time do you spend thinking about uh, the vote itself, and then how quickly do you sort of turn to okay, what happens now? Well, you know, I, I think that was. I mean, your, your second point is is the uh, is the direction I think most of us prosecutors went to is okay. Well, now what happens now? I mean, we've got certainly we've got cases that are pending, and what are we going to do with those? Uh, we've got this kind of gap in time between the certification of the election and the 10 days before the law becomes in effect. What are we going to do at that time? And then what policies and procedures are going to be put in place to handle these cases in the future? And so those, uh, and, I, and, I, and that started happening the next day on Wednesday uh, from conversations uh, with my colleagues across the state. Uh, those were the questions that we were all asking ourselves as to what, what, what's everybody going to do? Uh, how are you going to handle these cases and what are you going to do moving forward? And so that, that thought process started almost immediately. 
And what is that the answer to that? What are uh, prosecutors going to be doing? Is it going to be different uh, from office to office? Is there sort of a statewide understanding of how to handle those cases, both right now while it's still illegal and, you know, sort of going forward after uh, that 10 days after it's been certified, period? Well, you know, uh, the, the great thing about our organization is that it, it's a democracy. It's not a dictatorship, uh, you know. We, we try to be as uniform as we can on, on certain issues, but we're all individual uh, elected prosecutors in different jurisdictions with different mindsets and different, uh, I guess, makeups and philosophies. And so, you know, the position of our association has always been that we're going to let the electeds in their jurisdictions make the best determinations for how they want to move forward on this issue. Uh, and I think we're, we're seeing that, and that there is, I guess, in some respects, there is some uniformity uh, you know, in various jurisdictions, but each prosecutor is making up their own decisions, in particular in how they're going to be handling their pending cases. That's probably the biggest, uh, where the biggest differences lie on, on how prosecutors are handling the cases that are currently pending right now. Because, you know, in all, in all respects, uh, when, the, when that particular incident happened, uh, marijuana was illegal in the state of Michigan, and therefore there is no retroactivity uh, grace period, if you will, for those circumstances. Now, some of us have taken the, the tack that if, uh, it, it, if the pending case meets the current proposal language, uh, we're dismissing those cases. I happen to be one of those prosecutors. Others are just uh, maintaining the status quo with those cases, and then moving forward, obviously, they'll, they'll follow the new law, just like we're all constitutionally mandated to do. So, you know, in a sense, um, I, I think prosecutors are, are making the, the best decisions they can for their particular jurisdictions and their constituents. And, and, that's, and that's kind of how we want it to be handled. Uh, we're not going to dictate how they're going to they're handle these cases. And I feel like this kind of brings up um, an issue that's not unique to marijuana, which is having multiple counties, um, having, you know, sort of their own way of doing things. And when you're somebody who's maybe moving in between uh, jurisdictional lines and having to figure out like, okay, what's allowed here, what's allowed there, I guess, kind of talk a little bit about how uh, people will have to sort of, I guess, reckon style that, that, you know, what's allowable or what's going to happen with one case in one county might be very different if they happen to cross uh, some sort of invisible line into another county. Well, yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, there is no, uh, I guess, magic handbook, if you will, that'll tell you one way or the other. I mean, certainly uh, the, the smart thing to do is to at least get a sense from the citizens that live in that particular county as to, you know, what they what has been reported, what they heard, you know, all, all those things. You can get a, you can get a sense pretty quickly as to the the attitude, I guess, of the particular jurisdiction you're in. You know, certainly moving forward after uh, the law is put in place, uh, that's going to draw the boundary lines as to what will be permissible and what will not be permissible. You know, uh, and so there is, in some respects, some uniformity there. I mean, I can't handle a a possession. Uh, somebody that possesses over 2.5 ounces any differently than anybody else in my surrounding counties because the law is going to be pretty clear. It's a civil infraction, uh, and, and that's that. So, I mean, you know, the, again, this, this time period, if you've got multiple cases uh, in multiple jurisdictions, uh, you're going to have to kind of figure out where, where your jurisdiction is lying. Uh, I would think that wouldn't be the case in too many instances, but 
you know, I guess you just never know. You're listening to Detroit Today. I'm Jake here, Jake Near here with Shana Roth, and we are sitting in for Stephen Henderson today. We are talking about Michigan becoming the first state in the Midwest to legalize recreational marijuana for adults 21 and over. We're going to be hearing from prosecutors and advocates and others about this topic, and we want to hear from you. Do you plan to partake in legal recreational marijuana here in Michigan? Are you excited about pot legalization, or do you have concerns? If so... What are you concerned about? Uh, Are you an employer? What do you think this is going to mean for your workers, your place of business? And just what questions do you have right now about how this will be implemented? 313-577-1019. Again, the number is 313-577-1019. You can leave your comment on our Facebook page, or you can hashtag Detroit Today on Twitter. We're going to go to David now in Gross Point. David, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I appreciate it. I know this is an important topic. I have a couple of points I'd like to make if we have time. I'll try to be quick about it. Um, You know, one of the unintended consequences that we might face as a region or a community now that marijuana is legal is, like it or not, the, the, the drug dealers are business people. And now that their market is effectively drying up, they're going to move on to um, other crimes or selling drugs that are much more harmful and dangerous than marijuana. Now, if you give me a moment, um, I'd like to make another point. I have a couple of close relatives that are both judges at the circuit court level in the Denver metropolitan area. And I asked them um, before our vote, I said, so what do you guys think? Now, you know, Colorado has had legal marijuana for several years. What's your opinion? And they said that, uh, you know, a lot of people have moved into the state that they found to be, I guess, uh, you know, undesirable is the, the best word I could think of. And I thought to myself, why would, you know, I asked them, why would somebody pick up stakes and move to another uh, location simply because marijuana is legal. Mm. And the answer I got mm. back was exactly. Mm. Interesting, so David. I'll be, glad to take my, I'll be glad to take my responses to those two points off air. Sure, thank David. You. Thank you very much for the call. Mm-hmm. Uh, DJ, I'm curious what your thoughts are, especially about that, that first part. Um, you know, the idea that people who are dealing drugs illegally here in uh, Michigan right now, that this could somehow lead to uh, harder drug sales. I'm curious, uh, what, what's your reaction to that? Is that a concern to you? Well, I mean, I, you know, leading up to uh, what I anticipated this vote happening in Michigan, I've been following states like California and Colorado and, and looking at, you know, the, the information that's been coming out uh, since they've made the jump to legalization of recreational marijuana. And one of the things that obviously that I pay close attention to was, you know, crime rates and and um, traffic accidents. But more importantly, the, this idea of the black market and and what both, all those states have seen is that the black market still exists. I mean, it's it 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 makes in some respects to the gentleman's point. Uh, these folks are are business people, and you know, and if you're going to a retail outlet, you're going to be that whatever 10 plus six percent 16 percent and we're allowing folks to grow their own marijuana in their houses uh, to me you're you're setting up this idea that hey why would I go and spend this amount of money 
and when I can go and spend maybe a little bit less and get the same amount of product. We so, should we should know, by the way, that one of the reasons that the tax was set about as low, I think it is the lowest in the country for any state that has legalized recreational marijuana in Michigan. The reason that it was set at that lower rate than other states was because they saw the black market continuing to thrive in places like Colorado and other states. But so that that is what advocates would say is the reason for that. And, uh, you know, they, they say they hope that that means there will be less of a black market here in Michigan. Well, listen, I, I hope so, too. At the end of the day, <laughs> I, I would be happy if there is no black market. I, I just, I'm, you know, when we're when we talk about the reality of the situation, I, and maybe it won't be to the extent. But, you know, getting to this gentleman's point that they're going to move on to, uh, you know, other drugs to, to make their money, I, I suppose that that could be a potential. I mean, obviously, I, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, folks are going to start gathering information on that so we can be smart on how we... Uh, go about trying to make sure that doesn't happen. Uh, but at the end of the day, like I said, I, I, I hope that, that that isn't, we don't see an uptick. I mean, we've already, quite frankly, have seen an uptick in, in heroin and cocaine and meth in particular, although I consider those the top three drugs here in the state of Michigan. So uh, to see an increase in any, any of those uh, because of this would be devastating. And kind of bouncing off of this a little bit, it seems like now that marijuana uh, is legalized recreationally, that's going to require an increase in training for law enforcement and maybe even a different kind of training for law enforcement. Maybe it's in, you know, sort of discovering these black market areas. But uh, specifically the one that I'm always thinking about is uh, operating while under the influence of marijuana. Uh, talk to us about, you know, what is law enforcement going to have to do now that there could potentially be more people driving and potentially, you know, after having smoked marijuana? Well, the nice thing is, is that our organization, the Prosecuting Attorneys Association, has been well ahead of the curve on that. Uh, we provide both A-RIDE and uh, drug recognition expert training to our law enforcement partners, as well as uh, assistant prosecutors and elected prosecutors. And it's a, it's very similar to, um, you know, Back before there were fancy instruments that measured a person's level of alcohol, you had to, you know, base base your decisions on probable cause based on, you know, how they talk, what they look like, uh, what their eyes did, uh, could they maintain their balance, and so uh, we've we've been training uh, for the last uh, few years uh, our law enforcement partners on how to effectively do that when we're dealing with individuals who haven't necessarily consumed alcohol but have consumed controlled substances. Uh, you know, I know that they're, they're in the process, the state police is in the process of finishing up a one-year pilot program on a device uh, that measures uh, whether or not persons have active uh, controlled substances in their system as they're operating a motor vehicle. And I think that report's scheduled to come out sometime before the end of the year. Uh, you know, whether that's the appropriate science or not, and or if does technology need to catch up to that, you know, obviously uh, that'll be uh, something that this state needs to, to accurately look at. I mean, at the end of the day, it's making sure that we're uh, enforcing that law for those that have the active ingredient, the active ingredient of THC in their system, and it's affecting their ability to properly operate and maintain a motor vehicle on our highways. Uh, so, you know, a lot of steps have been taken. Uh, there's still going to be some steps moving forward that have to be done. And, you know, unfortunately, it'll be, I'm sure, a trial and error, error period as we try to figure it out. 
The number on the phones is 313-577-1019. Again, that's 313-577-1019. If you want to get in on this conversation about recreational marijuana here in Michigan becoming legal. And let's go to Janine in Dearborn. Janine, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you so much. Good morning. Good morning. My what would you concern, like to say? My concern is that in under the new law, dispensaries are going to have to track how much an individual purchases. Um, and now that creates a database that can be searchable by, I'd say, the, the federal government where it's still illegal. So the state is maintaining a database of how much a consumer has purchased. While it's illegal on a federal scale, how, how are they going to protect that information when it's Medical, it's HIPAA protected when it's recreational. I think that sort of leaves consumers open to federal prosecution. Yeah, Janine, that's an interesting question. It's obviously something that fits into a larger concern, I think, in our society right now about collecting data uh, on on individuals. But also, I mean, in this specific uh, instant, DJ, uh, you know, when when we're talking about marijuana, um, I'm curious uh, how prosecutors are going to view that data that exists, and and you know, the fact that there 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 can be uh, sort of more information about who is consuming these products and so forth. Do you see that as a tool for prosecutors? Do you see that as uh, something that, um, you know, people are rightly concerned about? Well, you know, we have, we have a system very similar uh, called the MAPS system that uh, looks at and tracks uh, people's uh, use or abuse of prescription medication. And, and law enforcement already has access to that. And so we, you know, we use that in order to uh, track those that are either pharmacy or doctor shopping in order to support their habit. You know, to what form or to what level, you know, something like that is used uh, as far as marijuana is concerned. You know, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't, I don't, I guess it's too, too early to, to speculate on that. You know, again, uh, for large scale, and I'm talking large scale abuses, maybe, uh, but for the day to day, I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily something that we as prosecutors are going to be focusing our time and attention on. Okay. Well, DJ Hilson, president of the Prosecuting Attorneys Association of Michigan, also the prosecuting attorney for Muskegon County. Thank you so much for joining us here on Detroit Today. Thank you, guys. We're going to continue this conversation. We're going to hear from another prosecutor who is dropping marijuana charges, as well as a longtime proponent of pot legalization in Michigan. And don't forget, if you miss any of today's conversation, you can download the Detroit Today podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. listening to Detroit Today. I'm Jake Neer. And I'm Shayna Roth. We're talking this hour about marijuana and what happens now that recreational marijuana has been legalized in Michigan. We want to turn now to a couple of people who have unique perspectives on these questions. That's right. Matt Abel is a Detroit area cannabis advocate and attorney, the executive director of Michigan, the Michigan chapter of the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, also known as Norm. Matt, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Thanks for having me. We also have David Layton, Genesee County prosecutor. He is one of several prosecutors saying they will drop charges against many people who face marijuana crimes now that voters have legalized recreational pot. Uh, David, welcome to Detroit Today. 
Yes, good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on with us. Uh, Matt, I want to turn to you first. Uh, for one thing, congratulations. This is a uh, this is a subject that you have been working on for a very long time now, uh, for years and years, both through medical marijuana, legalizing that, and now with uh, the legalization of recreational marijuana. Uh, I'm curious, um, you know, when you first saw medical marijuana, the Medical Marijuana Act here in Michigan pass, it wasn't sunshine and roses for advocates or patients or caregivers or law enforcement. I mean, there were just a lot of questions that had to be sussed out in court. There were, uh, we saw raids on uh, marijuana businesses. We saw children being torn away from their families uh, because they were uh, involved in this process. I'm curious, uh, considering a lot of the issues that followed medical marijuana legalization in Michigan, do you anticipate that there are going to be similar concerns Concerns that have to be worked out now that this is legal? Well, yes, there certainly will be um, issues. It's hard to say exactly uh, where those are going to pop up, but um, we're hoping that state and law enforcement has been educated over the last 10 years with medical marijuana. Um, and unfortunately, it took us um, many years through the court system to establish, for example, that there are two alternative defenses under the medical marijuana law, one under Section 4 and one under Section 8. And while that language is fairly clear in the medical marijuana law, uh, the courts were quite hostile to it until the Supreme Court finally put that to rest in 2013. So it took five years in order to establish the affirmative defense, if you will. And David, I'm curious what you think of that uh, about the sort of the way that this worked out after mar medical marijuana was, uh, you know, was implemented. Uh, sort of the the back and forth that happened there. What what are your thoughts about how the court system handled that? Well, medical marijuana was a disaster from uh, my perspective, and I think of just about every prosecutor in the state because the act itself was so vague. Uh, we didn't know whether we were coming or going with respect to prosecution, and you have to mix that into the uh, natural back and forth between police agencies and prosecutors. Many people think we're their lawyers, and we're not, and we always have back and forths on whether or not anything can be prosecuted, including a uh, actions under the Medical Marijuana Act. Uh, I mean, the, the most blatant example is the issue regarding dispensaries. The word dispensary doesn't even appear in the Medical Marijuana Act, yet dispensaries or, or establishments where you were supposed to be able to go and, and purchase the medical marijuana were popping up across the state, including in my jurisdiction. And I would have police agencies raiding these dispensaries, and then I was put into a difficult position of whether or not to prosecute uh, for whatever was happening in those dispensaries. And the courts never really gave us, for many years, uh, any kind of direction. And then finally, when they did, we're at the end of the road, and now we're moving on to recreational marijuana. Oh, Jake, if I can respond to that, there sure. is a reason why the word dispensaries is not in the Medical Marijuana Act, and that is it is one of those protected words, the same as the word apothecary, which only can be used by a pharmacy licensed mm. in Michigan. And so while we uh, commonly refer to them as dispensaries even today, um, dispensaries is not something that you you can't name your place uh, the apothecary either. And so, uh, but in other states, they're commonly referred to as dispensaries. And 
I would suggest that the legislature should take that word out. We don't know of any pharmacies that are called dispensaries, and so there's no reason to prohibit um, the word dispensary or apothecary. When, when I think of the word apothecary, marijuana. I'm thinking of like the Old West or something like that. <laughs> I haven't heard that in a long time. Right, potions and lotions. <laughs> Um, Kind of jumping off the issue of sort of how these laws are written, because I know a big part of the issue for the medical marijuana law is it was not necessarily written as clearly. There were a lot of, uh, you know, sort of vague areas in there. I have my question for both of you. And David, I'll start with you is what are some potential gray areas that you see in this new recreational marijuana uh, law? And, you know, what are some of the issues that are probably either going to need to be uh, clarified by the state legislator or potentially uh, figured out in court? Well, I think the, uh, you know, the 10-ounce limit for marijuana kept at residences and the uh, the need to secure anything over two and a half ounces in locked containers is likely to be an issue for law enforcement, not so much for me, but I think for police agencies, you're going to see an issue there. The issue of whether you can... Uh, uh, have some of that on your person as to whether you can uh, uh, smoke it on the street. While a lot of people, while it's clear that you're not supposed to be able to, I suspect there will be a lot of people who will and will say, look, I didn't know that was the law. I thought I was allowed to consume it here and there. I think those are some of the issues we're going to have. My biggest fear from the recreational marijuana law is the increased number of impaired drivings we're likely to have to prosecute as a result of this and that opens up a whole new area of issues because the the levels of THC in the blood are very difficult to prove in a court we're going to need a whole slew of new drug recognition experts so there's all these issues that are that are over the horizon that I think are coming uh, based upon this law. And that's not to say that I don't think that I disagree with the people, the 56% of the people who voted for this. Um, I've not been very aggressive in prosecuting marijuana, simple possession and use cases in my jurisdiction for some time, because of, I've seen the writing on the wall based upon the 63% that voted for the Michigan Medical Marijuana Act back in the day. But it does create issues for prosecutors across the state that we have to deal with. And Matt, how do you respond to that and some of those concerns there? Well, first of all, the Legalization of Marijuana Act clearly states that it is not allowed to smoke in public. And um, the law makes that a civil infraction, similar to some kind of a traffic ticket, but it's not an arrestable offense. And that was one of the main objectives was to stop so many people from being arrested for cannabis generally. Uh, you're, you're, yeah, you're listening to Detroit Today. I'm Jake Neer. I'm here with Shana Roth. We're sitting in for Detroit, for Stephen Henderson today, and we're talking about the legalization of marijuana here in Michigan. Uh, you know, what are some of your concerns? What are some of the things that you're thinking about as Michigan is headed to becoming the first state in the Midwest to do this, to make it legal for people to use recreational marijuana if you are 21 and over? Uh, do you plan to partake in this system? Are you excited about it, or do you have concerns? And if you do, 
What are those concerns? Please call 313-577-1019. Again, that's 313-577-1019. Right now, we are talking with David Layton, Genesee County prosecutor, one of several prosecutors saying they will drop charges against many people who face marijuana crimes now that voters have legalized recreational pot here in Michigan. And Matt Abel, Detroit area cannabis advocate and attorney, the executive director of the Michigan chapter of Normal. Uh, We're going to go back to the phones here. Uh, Violet in Detroit. Um, Welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, thanks for having me on. So this is a great segment, um, but that gross point, man, man, uh, there's no evidence that I've been able to find. And I've done some research on this because I'm a journalist who also covers marijuana issues. And I have yet to be able to find evidence that shows states that legalized uh, people who used to sell marijuana in those states moved on to harder drugs when the regulatory framework that sort of pushed them out of the market came in. So there's no evidence of that. But also, I think there's like a misconception about the folks that have been selling marijuana under the medical law. They're demonized as drug dealers. But in a lot of cases, you know, I would say in the majority of cases, just based on my dealings with this system, these are folks who look at marijuana as like a therapeutic substance. This has been legal under for medical use. Like these aren't drug dealers necessarily trying to make money all the time. So I wanted to point that out. And I also wanted to point out it, was, it feels pretty disingenuous for that initial prosecutor with the Prosecuting uh, Association of Michigan, Prosecuting Attorneys Association. I mean, he blatantly disregarded that in many states that have legalized, there is now there's now evidence that opioid use has been reduced. And he, he, he goes, oh, well, I really hope opioid use doesn't go up as a result of this. It's just it, it's totally misleading. And I just wanted to add all that to the conversation. Thank you so much, Violet. Really appreciate that call. Uh, David Layton, Genesee County prosecutor. What's your reaction to what Violet had to say there? Well, uh, I, I, I'd assume she wasn't referring to me because I didn't say anything. No, no. She, I believe she was referring to D.J. Hilson with uh, Pam. Okay. I, I, I didn't hear any of those comments from Prosecutor Hilson, but he's very knowledgeable about uh, drug issues. He's one of the leading experts in the state on it. That's all I can say about that. But I didn't hear what he had to say. Um, with respect to the prosecution of individuals who were selling marijuana under the Michigan Medical Marijuana Act, I mean, the way we looked at it here was, you know, were you a caregiver? If you had, a, if you were a caregiver, then I think you had an, a right to to sell at your cost uh, to your five patients. Um, with respect to those selling to non uh, patients, uh, for caregivers selling to non-patients, that, that just was, that goes back to your initial question of the difficulties under the Michigan Medical Marijuana Act and how vague it was. We weren't given a whole lot of direction for a long time. So the, yes, there were some prosecutions of individuals who we thought were selling marijuana outside of the act, but then as it got clearer from the various, um, decisions that came from the appellate courts, we were able to pare down those based upon opinions that were issued by usually the Court of Appeals and in one instance the Supreme Court. Um, And I think you're still going to have some of that with the Recreational Marijuana Act because uh, like what's happened in Colorado, my understanding is, and I've spoken to some district attorneys from that state, uh, oftentimes, some of the product or the medicine or the uh, I guess the just the recreational marijuana now being sold 
is at very high prices, and folks are looking to buy it at a lesser price, and so they'll buy it from somebody who is not licensed, and that creates, of course, potential prosecutions for crimes. I want to pivot now a little bit to sort of what all of this is going to mean for the criminal justice system. Uh, You're both attorneys, um, so you're familiar with this area. And uh, David, you know, your office is one that has said that they're going to be dropping these types of charges. Uh, Other offices are going to as well. Uh, But Matt, let me start with you. What do you see as far as having this become legalized and, you know, dropping of these charges, how is that going to impact the criminal justice system, do you think? Well, we hope and expect that it will be a a net positive. There have been around 20,000 prosecutions in Michigan every year for cannabis, and we expect that uh, the police will pivot to uh, go after violent criminals. And they're showing in states where it's legal that violent crimes are being solved at a higher rate. And we think that's one of the really strong benefits of legalizing marijuana. And David, I kind of want to turn to you with that same question. But also, um, uh, Governor-elect Gretchen Whitmer has mentioned that she wants to find some sort of way to expunge the records of people who have who have you know done time or have been charged with Uh, things that would now be considered legal. Do you see that as uh, any potential complications with having to go through all of those uh, different records and criminal histories? Well, certainly the governor-elect has the uh, right under the law to do that. It would be a large undertaking for her office to try to identify each of the individuals who may have been convicted of uh, simple possession or use of marijuana, because I assume that's what she's talking about. I don't believe she's talking about cases of possession with intent to deliver or Correct. manufacture Correct. marijuana. Um, and, and let me make this this pretty clear. I mean, there's there's a lot of folks out there who are under the assumption that there's all these people sitting in the state prisons for simple possession of marijuana, and that's simply not the case. The numbers do not show that. There are people imprisoned for possession with intent to deliver or manufacturing, if you will, trafficking. But the people in prison for simple possession are very, very few. And from Genesee County, the number is zero. What I did after the after the uh, folks, after the electorate voted overwhelmingly to approve recreational marijuana, I put out a directive to my staff that basically says that as of the date, that was uh, November 8th was when I put out the directive, that any possession uh, cases or use cases, or even if there are counts in another pending uh, case where where there are other charges that may be far more uh, egregious, we were dismissing uh, whether the case was pending or whether it was sitting waiting for a warrant to be issued. And that's because I believe that the people spoke, and that's what they were directing me to do. Now, as I said earlier, I haven't been all that aggressive in prosecuting possession or use cases in my county, and they're very few and far between. But that's not the case elsewhere in the state, and that's where the Recreational Marijuana Act is going to change things up, I believe. And David, talk to us more about why you're dropping the pending charges, including, I think, some of those from before the law was, uh, you know, before Election Day when this new law was actually passed. What what was your decision-making process, and why are you deciding to do that? Well, after I saw the vote, 56, almost 57 percent of the vote, 
um, it was clear to me that the people of Michigan believe in and want uh, recreational marijuana and do not think that simple possession or use of marijuana ought to be a crime. I felt like, and I had this discussion with my chief assistant, and she played devil's advocate, so the, the discussion was pretty intense. But I finally concluded we have to draw a line in the sand, and the line in the sand was going to be that date, November the 8th, when I decided, you know what, moving forward, based on this vote, we're not going to prosecute any more of these cases. So if anything's pending in the system, we're going to dismiss it. If there's any warrants waiting to be looked at by assistant prosecutors, they do not, they should not issue those cases. I recognize that, you know, folks from who are charged uh, before November 8th, whose cases were already adjudicated, they're, they're kind of on the short end of the stick. But you have to make a decision in these jobs. You have to draw a line in the sand somewhere. And I was aware that the governor-elect was considering some kind of an expungement program. So that factored into it as well. Um, Matt, I would like to quickly get your reaction to this news that there are several prosecutors across the state that are doing what David Layton is doing in Genesee County. Is that encouraging to you? Are you uh, happy about the that so-called line in the sand that they've been drawing? Absolutely. I think that's a, a great move. Um, th- but there are prosecutors in other counties who have said that they intend to continue prosecutions of things that were then illegal and in two weeks will be legal. And um, to those defendants, I would encourage them to fight uh, that a jury is unlikely to convict once we've had um, the medic- the uh, recreational use of marijuana approved by the voters. It-, it seems unfair, but I mean, technically those prosecutors have a right to do that. And um, we ought to put it to a jury. And unfortunately, that'll be expensive for those counties. But I would encourage the voters in those counties to turn out those prosecutors in two years when every prosecutor in Michigan will be up for re-election. You're listening to Detroit Today. I'm Jake Neer here with Shana Roth, and we are sitting in for Stephen Henderson today. We're talking about the legalization of recreational marijuana here in Michigan. We're speaking with Matt Abel, a Detroit area cannabis advocate and attorney, the executive director of the Michigan chapter of Normal. Also, David Layton, Genesee County prosecutor, one of several prosecutors saying They will drop charges against many people who face marijuana crimes now that that vote has happened and Michigan voters have said we want marijuana to be legal here in the Mitten State. Uh, We're going back to the phones now. Jesse in Detroit, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Excellent show. Um, I've got a couple of questions. One, uh, what would Matt and, you know, your other guests actually say about uh, the law? Did it go far enough? Is decriminalization an answer or possibility going forward? And then secondly, uh, what would be the economic impact on African Americans, the poor, and underserved people who have been disproportionately impacted by the marijuana laws? Mm. Is there something that we can, uh, that will be done going forward to improve conditions, improve uh, uh, the economic, uh, the jobs and, and businesses that may come from having this recreational law 
past. Jesse, thank you so much for the questions. Uh, Matt, uh, to you, you know, this was a huge, the, the first part of Jesse's question there was a huge debate, I believe, among advocates uh, and people who were debating, okay, we want to put this in front of voters, we want to legalize marijuana in some form, but how do we do it? And it was a pretty uh, robust conversation, I would say. We only have about a minute left here, but uh, talk about that. Talk about, did this law go far enough? Well, there was a robust debate about whether expungement would be included. And while we uh, wanted to do that, we were concerned Michigan has a single subject rule, and we were concerned that it would violate that, um, so it taking into account multiple uh, subjects. We always intended to go back and uh, work on expungement. I think it's wonderful if uh, Governor-elect Gretchen Whitmer will do that uh, without the legislature needing to be involved. And as far as opportunity for minorities, um, we believe that uh, this will open up opportunities for a lot of people. And part of uh, the concern is that there are people with, who have criminal records who are being frozen out of the uh, regulated market, and we would encourage the state to allow those people into the market. Otherwise, where are they going to go? David, 30 seconds. What's your final thoughts here on, uh, on, on this topic? Well, with respect to African-Americans, I am aware that some of the leading uh, African-American pastors in both Detroit and Flint were opposed to uh, prop the proposition, and I think they would probably be in the best position to speak on that as to why they opposed it. My biggest concern going forward is that there's going to be an increased number of impaired driving cases mm. that mm-hmm. uh, prosecutors, city attorneys, township attorneys are going to have to deal with as we move sure. forward. And that's going to be an issue, as I said earlier, because of the THC recognition and the need for experts to come into court and testify as to whether somebody's impaired. Yeah, or lot, not. lots of pending questions here. Every yep. police department should have body cams on every officer, and then a jury can see how someone's walking and well, talking. The problem with that oh, is uh, it's Sorry, guys, we have to move on here, but I really appreciate the uh, debate here. Are very expensive. <laughs> David Layton, Genesee County Prosecutor, and Matt Abel, uh, Detroit Area Cannabis Advocate and Attorney. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Coming up, we're going to hear from best-selling author, journalist, and podcast royalty Malcolm Gladwell. And spoiler alert, he is not a fan of marijuana legalization. Stick with us. 